Welcome to What's Happening in 40K. Your daily dose of all things Warhammer 40,000. Each day, Monday through Friday, we explore the Warhammer 40,000 tournament scene. And bring you the latest news, updates, and opinions. So, whether you're a seasoned veteran or a newcomer to the hobby, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us as we delve into the world of 40K. Here's your host, Mufasa. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode, and apologies for the hiatus, we've been off for a couple of days as we try to refocus the podcast on a bit more content that is engaging with our audience and uh, a bit less filler, so you know that all the content coming down in the next episodes are going to be ones that you're actually going to want to listen to, so we hope this will help you guys uh, be able to consume a bit more of the uh, the podcast, because at the moment we're getting some good numbers, but uh, we always like to see them higher, so... We are back today with one of our favorite episodes. This has been a returning feature multiple times now and with our special guest, George White. This is Bets On number three, the London Open April edition, where we go through the odds on the different players attending the event with professional bookie for 15 years, George White. So, George, welcome back to the show. Yes, thanks for having me back. And no, no, no. Um, I'm glad to be back, especially for the, the London Open, because uh, anyone that knows me knows I'm from London, and it's the capital city of the world, as far as I'm concerned. So this is the big one. Okay, well, we'll stay away from the uh, capital city of the world. We are at the centre of the world, from according to the, whoever wrote, drew the map with uh, GMT in the middle. And uh, thank you to whichever Brit that happened to be in. Put us in the centre of the map, maybe not the centre of the world, because that's a very hot place. Um, all right, so George, today we're going to go through the uh, odds on the top players for the London Open. For anyone that isn't familiar with the London Open, it is our regular, um, supposedly small event for local Londoners. Um, it's not very small. <laughs> By general standards, it's very large. It's 150 players this time around, uh, but just happens to be our smallest. We have it in conjunction with uh, Song of Ice and Fire, Age of Sigmar, and Kill Teams. So the overall event is about 220 players. So it's actually a fairly sizable event. And out of those 150 players, today we'll be going through, I think, 12 plus one wild card. George has thrown in at the last minute and giving you some odds on those different players, as well as having some discussions about their lists. But most importantly, having a bit of fun and chatting about why we think certain people are going to have better odds than others. So we're going to start off with a question that may seem a little bit weird. George, who is Will Whitaker? Okay, so William Whitaker. Um, I've never actually met uh, William, um, but I do actually know his brother quite well. So his brother, who's also in a, a little spoiler ahead, he's also in the list further up. And uh, William apparently is, what I've heard, is a very good player. He's played a lot of uh, TTS. And his list, uh, to be quite honest, is just so flavoursome. Uh, when I look through his list, it's just like a full zinc army with Bellacore. And it's just so, it's so fluffy, basically, uh, as, far as, as far as I can see. And um, I think he can catch some people off guard. And from people that I know that have played him, he's apparently he's very focused and he's an exceptional player. So he is my wild card and my 13th pick. That's good to see. And it's always nice to see new names in here. We're going to chat a little bit about how come there are so many familiar faces in our top lists later on. But it is great to see another one in there. And obviously, actually, this list has a few 
sort of players that are either on the scene but not very active or new on the scene. So that's great to see. Now, Zinch was a faction that Team England took in their recent victory at the ITT of our event in February. And uh, it seemed like it did really well into specific matchups. I think it was their counter guard list. And obviously, we didn't have much guard in Manchester recently, but we have a few at this one, notably David Gaylard and Nassim. So maybe Will's uh, luck will be on his side and Zinch will help him uh, pair into those guys early. So you've given him a 14 to 1, which is our lowest uh, odds on a named player. But well done, Will, for uh, making his way into the top 13 anyway. So on to Conrad 12 to 1. So Conrad is a 12 to 1. He won the first ever LGT. Everyone that knows him knows he's a top player when he's on form. And anyone that uh, recognizes him will know that they, I haven't been seeing him that too frequently anymore. So, George, why have you given Conrad a 12-1? to 1? Well, if you can remember, I didn't actually put him in my top 12 um, in the last tournament that he attended. And this time he does make my top 12 in arguably a harder field this time round. And that's mainly because he has actually been practicing behind the scenes. He has, he has been um, playing quite frequently. When I say frequently, I don't mean every day, but I mean uh, two or three times a week. Um, he's been getting involved in on our dice down chat quite a lot, so I think that he's he's ready for it the best he can be with, with you know with the craft world with his craft world and Harlequin's combo. Um, a dangerous player without a doubt. Um, I don't know if he can stand up to all these top players with these Dark Angel lists. That's why he's at twelve to one. Now, if he was using Dark Angels, he would be like right up there in the mix. But where he's craft world, that's why I've knocked him down to about twelve to one. But he's well-practiced, so it's one to watch out for. Interesting. And this is a really, really good point, which is, you know, we're talking about being well-practiced now as, you know, he doesn't play every day, but... And obviously, people that used to play back in the day, you know, they would be getting two or three games in a week, and that would be considered like a ton of practice. And obviously, now with TTS, people are practicing a lot more. We'll see some of those familiar names from the TTS world later in the uh, odds. But uh, well done, Comrade, making his way back into the top 12. Um, at least for now. Another Eldar player who is in top 12, coming just ahead of Conrad, is Clement. And Clement is one of those names I referenced earlier. These familiar faces and names for people that have been around for a while, but may not be very familiar to people from further afield because Clement doesn't travel to two-day events. He only plays in local ones. But a very strong player who's won a bunch of random awards across our different events often for best in faction when he had a lot of success with his Space Wolves, and now he's turned his attention to Craftworld once again. So give us a bit of a comparison, George, between Clement and Conrad. Why have you given Clement a 10-to-1 where Conrad has only got a 12-to-1? Well, Clement actually attended our, our Dice Down practice day last Friday. Um, he was there. Um, so that always, that's always very helpful when there's a group of you in the same room doing like a mini tournament between ourselves which is something that, you know, is one of, the, one of the things I like most about the team that I play in, Dice Down, these one-day practice events that we do, you know, sometimes at like one of our houses, normally at one of our houses. Um, we all have a few beers, we all have a laugh, we get a pizza, and we just play 40k all day and all night. And it's just amazing how much you learn from that, from having other people walking over to your table, telling you what you should do, what you shouldn't do, loads of take-backs. And this is one of our success stories over the years of why we performed so well. And now this is coming up and happening again. And Clements is actually the new member uh, to our team. So he's joined Dice Down and he was obviously joined us last Friday at the practice day. 
So, and Conrad didn't make that one, even though he's well-practiced. He wasn't there last Friday, which is why I, I put Conrad slightly ahead of him. Okay, well, we're going back to a, a, a bit off topic here, but this is breaking news, George. You have just let everyone know the spoiler. Dice Down has grown for the first time since its uh, inception, almost, and in- incorporated a new player. So tell me this, George. Give me a soundbite. You've lost David Gaylard, but you've added Clement. How do you feel Dice Down will do in the foreseeable future, given this player swap? Um, I think I think we're going to take the next edition a lot more serious than we have in the last year. Obviously, a lot of us have got some, you know, things going on in our lives that we couldn't commit fully. I'm being one of them, you know, to be honest. Also, Alex and Malik. Um, we've got a lot of other things going on as well as 40k. So that's why we didn't really compete as much as we would wanted to in the past sort of 12 to 18 months. But we are planning to like step back into it now and especially for the start of the new edition. So I, I think we'll be fine. We were fine before um, David joined and I think we'll be fine after he's left. Well, that is a very fair point. And uh, as you said, 10th edition is right around the corner and everyone's excited. I'm personally really excited. I've got a brand new uh, philosophy for 10th edition. I'm going to play just one faction for the whole edition, regardless of their power strength. And I think this is a really exciting uh, moment in 40k. We get a chance to polish off 9th, have a good time and uh, before before we get into 10th. So uh, while we're on that... Do we know what faction that is yet? Do we? Pardon? Do you know what faction that is? Oh, I do know, actually. I'm going to be playing Blood Angels. That's going to be my faction for the whole of 10th edition. So I'm excited. The new Dante models really uh, got my my, uh, red red juices flowing. Cool. Okay. So next up in our rundown, we've just done the uh the two Eldar players now let's do the two daniel players so we've got daniel whittaker and danny evanson both on eight to one danny evanson obviously um did very well at our birmingham super major last year and daniel whittaker is obviously the brother of will whittaker so let me ask you two questions george one what's the difference between the dans and two how come daniel whittaker's got such a better record than his brother well there you go so this is daniel whittaker in a nutshell he has competed at a lot of your tournaments. He's been right in the mix where he's gone 5-0 and and just missed out on the cut. And hardly anyone's ever heard of him. But he's always in the mix. His record is, like, incredible. I think he's lost, in, in the past year, he's lost to Alex Harrison at LGT. That was his only loss. And other than that, I think he lost to Manny. And that's his only two defeats. So other than that, he's won the Glasshammer tournament or he's gone 5-0 and twice at the Glasshammer tournament. He just, I've played him and I've practiced with him and he's exceptionally good. Can he, Janari, can they stand up to the, all this indirect firepower? That's going to be the challenge for him. But I, I've practiced with him quite a bit and he's one of the best players that I've practiced against, to be honest. Interesting. And speaking of indirect firepower, Danny Everson, the other Dan in the list, has got a bunch of that. He's gone for the Devastators, uh, the... the um, Sorry, not the Devastators, the Desolation Marines. Uh, but not that many of them. He's only got one squad of 10 in his Iron Hands list. And uh, Danny's not been around as much re- more recently, but has clearly 3D printed a bunch of models because uh, <laughs> that's, that's how he rolls. And um, we're excited to see him back on the table. So they're both on 8-1. to one, Given I the... Know, let me just say about uh, Danny Everson as well. I really liked his list. I think it's a really high-scoring list for Iron Hands. He's fo- I know Iron Hands have a lot of firepower anyway. So he still has that. 
but he's got a lot of stuff in there with some good scoring potential. Yeah, he has got the scout. And when he shows up, he really shows up. He can be a little bit inconsistent um, in the past where he, you know, he would go three and two from nowhere. And in the next tournament, he'd be right in the mix and either, you know, just about missed out on winning it. So it depends what Danny Anderson actually shows up. But looking at his list, I was, I, I, I gave it a thumbs up. I think yeah, he has gone tech piece heavy, hasn't he? Yeah, that's what I think. So that's why I put him at eight to one as well. Okay, well, best of luck to both of those. I know Danny does play a lot on his uh, on his computer when he's at work. So hopefully his boss isn't listening to this, but we can bet he has had a lot of practice. So good luck to those two guys. Next up, we're moving more seriously to the contenders, and we're going to start cycling through a bunch of old podcast guests. So speaking of old podcast guests, this was our last... Uh, what was our last? No. Uh, noticeably absent from our last event, but the champion of the event before that we have... Coming up next, David Gaylard in 6-1. Now, David is the first of the guard players we're going to be talking about today. And uh, he's sort of slapped back in the middle of the of the top 12. So why have we got David Gaylard so low down the field, given his impeccable history? Um, I talk about David now, but just you missed out one player. There's Chris Radford, who's actually on 7-1. to one. Um, apologies, Chris. We'll get back. Apologies. We'll get back. we'll get back to you, Chris, in a minute. But, uh, oh, David, David Gaylard. Um... So obviously he won. He was absent on the last event. He won the one before. He beat Manny in the final, which really, really impressed everyone, I believe, as far as I know. I was one of the first to congratulate him on that, on one of the chats. Um, so I didn't think he could do that. And he did. So he, he proved me wrong there. Uh, well played. But now it's a total different board game with all this in indirect stuff going around. Now that's why I've got him like such a such a high price at six to one. I'm not sure. He can compete against these, you know, against some of these powerhouse lists. That's what I'm thinking anyway. Um, he could prove me wrong again like he did last time. But um, I believe he'd go 4-1. He'd hit one of these these hardcore lists and um, be found out. That's well, the I interesting mean. thing about David is, like, he is definitely clued into the meta. So he's not going to be surprised by the amount of indirect fire. And you would assume then that he's not only practiced against it, but he's also tailored for it. So we'll just take a quick spin through his list. He has got the classic guard list. So we'll just pick out anything that seems a little uh, maybe tailored for this new meta we're going into or have been into now for a couple there's, of weeks. A slight, there's a slight mistake on one of the casking units, though, I believe. In it. He's, he's got one that auto wounds, but he's given them ignore the the heavy ignore the heavy that's a bit of an unusual a bit of an unusual thing to do if you're already fishing for like the auto wounds why why are you ignoring the you know putting that on that unit that's what um my analysis was when i went through it i mean he probably got his own reasons for that um which are probably valid but it's not it's definitely unusual it's not the optimal. And it could always be a, a clerical error as well. But spinning down to the things that does make his list a little bit more unique, he has gone for three Earthshaker carriages, as well as the heavy weapon teams with mortars. And then he's got two chimeras. So very much case of uh, trying to kill the Desolation Marines before they kill you, is what I would guess from, from reading. Yeah, that. the Earthshakers. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting add-on, isn't it? So it's going to be, you know, they're obviously good at, the, at killing the Desolation. That's exactly why he's put them there. Yeah. Um, I don't so know how affected it. I've not done the maths or seen it, but obviously that's the job. Mm. So we're spinning back quickly to Chris Radford. Chris is on seven to one, and uh, why have you put him there? He's had a really good showing recently. So what's what's up with uh, having Chris? Chris only well, slightly. Exactly pretty good. I mean, this field is is really brutal. It's really difficult for me to um, pick pick a favorite here. You know, it's a really really tough field. 
compared to the last the last bettons that I've done. Now with Chris, I believe Chris is the latest member to David's team. Ignite. Um, is it really? think, this yeah, is like, this is we should rename the segment of this show. We're basically just breaking news and spreading gossip. Yeah. So um, one thing we also didn't mention earlier is Danny Everson has joined the War Masters, according to this event. So we've got this is like the signing event. All these new teams adding to new players, and we haven't even spoken about mine goblins yet, who have been gobbling up all of the uh, the spare players lying around the scene at the moment. So well done them on uh, assembling such a prolific team so quickly. But let's take a quick look. Chris Radford in BCP is listed as Team Ignite. So well done, Chris, on joining such a high-profile team. Hopefully you guys do well this season, and uh, best of luck, Chris, at this event. Now, Chris has moved away from his Space Wolves, and he's gone to Iron Hands. So is that an explanation for why he's got uh, pretty good odds this time? Yeah, absolutely. In that. And is that why? Is it Ignite that's sort of forced him to do that? Is he under a bit of pressure to actually do well? <laughs> now he's in there, is that why Most he's moved? Most players were pl- harmed in the, in the course of joining <laughs> yeah. this team. Because obviously he's he's the, he was always known to me as like one of the best baseball players in the world. So he's he's moved away from his faction and joined you know uh, one of the powerhouse armies of Iron Hands. A lot like Brian did with the Orcs as when he joined Ignite, he moved away from his Orcs to one of the powerhouse armies. So this this team is uh, definitely going for it. If you know what I mean, all their players are taking the optimal armies and optimal lists. And they're not playing their favorite armies anymore. They're going for they're going for it which is great to see. They're going for the big win. So, uh, yeah, best of luck for them on that endeavor. They've obviously got a stiff competition in the teams. So we'll probably do a teams episode of this podcast at some point in time where we can go through some of the teams as the ITC season gets about halfway through and we can see which teams are looking like they're going to shape up for the overall win. Now, uh, one thing that is a bit interesting is the ITC scores are still very much um, being unbalanced by the fact that some players have six events and others don't. Uh, Manny Chima, of course, has five events and yet is already leading the ITC by a considerable margin. Before we get to his odds today on uh, the London Open, you mentioned there that um, David, uh, that Chris, sorry, and David were in the middle of your top 12 because the field at this event is so stacked. And noticeably, lots of the names we've gone through so far and the names that we're going to get to next in our top six are names that you would see at our super majors. So are we dealing with a situation here, George, where we have the same top 12, same favorites or similar, because obviously you've got the Whitakers in this one, but with a field half the size. So the chance of knocking each other out have doubled. Is this this the most competitive event in the UKC TC season? Yeah, this is what I, I actually said. I mean, the perfect example of that was the one that, you know, what David won, where he, he actually didn't play anyone that good because of because of, there was so much high numbers. That can happen. But, I mean, you can only beat what's in front of you. So you've done nothing wrong by, by that being the case. But he, he got all the way to the seventh game and there wasn't a single name player that he beat. Um, and in this tournament now, this London Open, that's impossible. You're not going to get to game, game five even without playing one of these one of these 12, I don't think. So it's a much harder field. I think by game three, you, you need to be expecting to be being in some real, real tough games, um, which is why it was so hard to price up the odds. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, one of the other points we're making here is that the thing that makes this event a little bit different from our other events is the London Open Series is a cut to top two instead of a cut to top four. And uh, that means that the odds are going to be much more heavily favoured on people that can reliably score those high point games because they're going to be necessary to get through to the top 
cut and therefore win the overall event. So we'll get onto our little bits of betting later because that might influence how we're going to bet a bit. But now into the top six. This is Murderer's Row. All of these players regularly go 5-0, and and we expect most of them to do so sometime soon, even if it isn't this weekend. So let's start off with Alex Petford with 5-1 and one. Dark Angels. Is this the lowest-ranked Dark Angels in our list? Um, I, I believe it could be, yeah. Um, now, the reason why Alex is... He's got a Dark Angel army, and he's used them for the last couple of months, regular. Um, so he's got some experience with them. I think he was beat at the last tournament just by, was it by Nazim, I believe, in the final yes. game, yes. which was in a the really close game. On you know, so table. I just believe the experience could carry him now because he's played a lot of games with him. Maybe the only person in the list that's played more is probably Manny with Dark Angels. But Alex is, is always going to be dangerous. I mean, he's never won a super or, or, you know, so he's always up there and he's always been, you know, 5-0 and or, or makes the cart and he don't quite get over the line. So I'd love to see him actually get over the line on this one. And he has a chance. Believe me, he has a chance. He has a chance. So some, well, you're saying some words here that are immediate red flag for me as a rational betting man. You said you'd really love to see him win it. He's got a chance to trust you. Now, George, I don't trust my bookie. I'm going to bet the odds. <laughs> and Alex seems to have pretty good odds for somebody with a top power list. Um, maybe we should invent some new styles of betting, like top your odds of placing in the top 10 or odds of being the uh, the uh, lowest ranked Dark Angel player. He's a, he's a good each way bet. You can't you can do each way, which means top three. Top three. So, okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll see that coming. All right. Moving on to some more Dark Angel infested waters. There are actually a lower concentration of Dark Angels at this event than some of our other events recently. There's a much more diverse set of factions as well as having lots more uh, players playing sort of their chosen faction of choice. So we're actually seeing fewer Dark Angels in this than we saw in Manchester and Southampton. And uh, next up, we have a player who is um, not playing Dark Angels. He is a regular guest on the podcast. He's none other than Vic VJ. He is 4-1, to one and he's playing Space Elves. Why have you given Vic such good odds for Space Elves, considering that the next closest one has odds that are over doubly as bad as his odds of 10-1? to one? So now, I think I've spoke about Vic before, and I just think Vic is just naturally one of the best players in the world, not even in the country. He just he just thinks 40k the whole time. That's what I think makes him so good. He sleeps, and he'll have 40k in his mind. I mean, he's, I, I believe he's told me that, but he just, you know, he's, he has it on his mind. He's very well practiced. He's He knows his maths, he does the numbers, and he just comes up with counters, and he just surprises me all the time. He really does. Um, I actually, I actually had him at a quite a, uh, a big price in the last tournament, even though I knew he was one of the best players there, but I actually put him at about eight to one. And the reason why that is, is because he's using craft worlds. And the thing with craft worlds is he can still beat these top dark angel lists with craft worlds. That just shows you how good he is. But the problem is he would struggle to score. He would struggle to get that hundred when in them top games. He was struggled, you know. So I always fancy him to go 5-0, and but not make the cut. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened at the last event, of course. He... That's, that's how I, yeah, that's how I went. So, but here, um, I, I thought, I'd, I actually made a mistake when I was writing the odds. I thought that everyone that would go undefeated might make the cut. But there's going to actually be four undefeated, unless there's draws involved. There should be four undefeated. So I yeah. fancy Victor get third place. 
if I was betting. Third place. Interesting. Well, maybe a, a sneaky each way bet on Vic will come in handy later on. Um, actually, a bet I placed last week, which didn't pay dividends, but we'll get on to the catching up with the scores later on. Vic's tweaked his list a little bit this time around. He's gone for more out of line of sight shooting uh, with another night spinner compared to his last list. Seems to be a mirror of uh, David's adaption with his guard list in terms of the counter to Desolation Marines. And the Star in. Weavers, I, I was uh, the Sky Weavers. Sorry, like I was very surprised he put them in. They're very expensive. They're very fragile. So he's either an absolute genius, or he, you know, or they or are made a little guaranteed bit turn one yeah, charge. Just the one thing in there that really surprised me in his list. Are they so, not? Can they not stage behind the full, like the front L and then guaranteed turn one charge Desolation Marines in the big L? He's probably pre-measured that and I mean, worked out. Yeah, maybe if there's not, if there's not, you know, terminators in the way of him doing that, maybe or fly, them, don't I don't know. But I mean, they're going to die straight away. That's yeah. for sure. If, if he's, don't only go first. he's only got one squad. They are expensive, yeah. but they do pack a punch. So we'll see what happens to that. And of course, if David wins, then we will be having him on the podcast and asking him exactly how how they went. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, Yes, Vic, of course, not David. Uh, although David, we will have on the podcast if he wins too. But to win, he would have to perform better than the next guard player we are about to discuss, and that is Nassim. Nassim obviously rose to fame and prominence recently as he won Adepticon, the crown jewel in the American tournament scene. Adepticon has been through many ups and downs recently. Uh, it's primarily a team-based tournament, but they do have a large-ish singles event at the same time. And Nassim won it. Now, uh, he, I think in their last three games, played a total of four turns. The terrain was non-existent, and they had shooting lists. So, well done to seem to identify that and uh, going over to the States and bringing back some gold with him. We have Nassim as a 3-1. to one. Given his recent success, answer me this, George. Why is he not ranked higher? Because he's playing God. And I just think <laughs> the above him are just slightly better than God, just in my opinion. Um, I think at the, your last tournament where he, you know, where he just missed out on the cut and he beat Alex, he showed amazing sportsmanship in that game, where he could have actually forced the, you know, forced the clock on on his opponent and decided, you know, to carry on and not play a last turn, which costed him making the cut. So he was very unlucky not to make the cut in that case. You know, um, and for me, just ultimate respect for me, you know, um, I have to say, I don't think there's many players out there that would even do that, to be honest with you. It showed great sportsmanship, so well done there. And I think he will learn from that as well. So he might, you know, uh, manage the time better or manage his opponent's time better because it wasn't really his fault. He didn't actually run out of time. But um, that was the reason why he didn't actually get through. And he had a great chance of winning that tournament. There's no doubt about it. And then obviously right after that, he went to America and he, you know, performed so well there. So he's my top, uh, my top player outside of the Marines for that reason. Yeah, outside of the Marines, and uh, noticeably, he is favoured over David Gaylord in terms of the odds. What's the difference between these two in that consideration, George? Oh, there, there ain't a lot of difference, to be honest. Um, I looked through and 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 I don't really know God that that well, but looking at the two lists, I, I thought David's list was slightly better. Um, like Nazim will be no, no, he probably argue with me and say it's not. And but even though I put Naz right up there, but I did congratulate him um, once he won it, won in America, and I said to him, on my next bets on, you're going to be one of my favourites. So I sort of gave him a promise there that he'd be up there. So I wanted to um, stick him as far up as I could, within reason. 
So that's why he's at a, he's at a three to one, which I think is is one of my favourites. And that's a bold choice considering he has only got the one Chimera, so won't be able to hide quite as much stuff from the Desolation Marines. And he does not have those Earthshaker cannons. He's gone for his Sentinel spam list, so best of luck there, Nassim. Now into the top three. We have three Marine players, three regular names on the scene, and a noticeable change from some of the last couple of events. So we have, in no particular order, Alex Harrison, Malik, and Manny Chima. And we will start off with Manny Chima. So Manny Chima has, uh, obviously, as I said earlier, he has a game in hand or an event in hand and is already top of the ITC. He has large numbers of wins in that score. I believe it's it's four wins, tournament wins, that is, and one tournament second place. And uh, you've only got him third in your odds. Now, given his past performance, this seems like a massive mistake. He won the last Super Major with a very similar meta than we currently have. So why has he gone down the field? Because you've ranked Alex Harrison, who beat him, or who he beat in, in yeah. Manchester, slightly above him. So get, tell us a little bit about this decision-making. So, Manny. So he was my favourite of my last two podcasts. Manny was my, my clear, well, not clear favourite, but he was my favourite. Um, and the reason why I've knocked him down, um, and he's going to love this, because of his record in London. This tournament's in London, and I don't believe Manny has won much in London. Um, he's never won an LGT for someone who's such a great player. Um, he definitely didn't win the last London Open because I was there. Um, he won, I believe, one of the London Opens um, where he beat David Gaylord, and then I believe he won one. Was that a London um, Open, was it? So maybe yeah, he won two, I think. Well, I think he beat Malik in one, and I think he beat David Gaylord in the other. In a London Open. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. I just uh, So I thought that where he's coming down to London, and we've got all these London guys that have got home advantage, <laughs> that was my reason to put him. And I mean, he's only slightly, slightly behind the other two, Malik and Alex, like slightly. He's five to two, and they're, they're very close by by that. So yes. let's see. I hope I hope Manny does well in London and he can prove me wrong. He can go, there you go. It's nothing to do with London. The capital city does not get me scared. I well, can't he, he, he is officially cursed in London. Every time he's come, I believe he's got a flat tire on the way down one time. He curbed his car and got two flat tires another time. I believe <laughs> well, he's never come to London and not had a, a, a tire-related misfortune. So uh, safe drive on your way down this time, Manny, and uh, best of luck in the event. Now we come to our top two, and uh, it is very much top two because they are tied. They are both on two to one, and we have Malik and we have Alex Harrison. So the biggest change here from anyone that's been following the meta recently is that Alex Harrison has moved away from the Space Wolves. He's been playing a lot. And the second biggest change is that, of course, Malik is coming to the event. So let's start, first of all, with Alex Harrison's list. So Alex is playing a Iron Hands list. Yeah, and what, what's unusual about the list, and this is typical Alex Harrison for you, this is him in a nutshell, he will take one of the strongest armies and he will do his own thing with it. So he will, just, he will do some testing of his own, he will do all that, and what he's got in there is some Invictor tactical war suits, which I, I don't think I've seen on the tabletop for a while. Um, that's a surprise, the major surprise in there. Um, are they good? I'm sure they are in these, in these mirror stuff, or as he wouldn't take them, believe me. Um, and I just I can't write him off to be honest with you. I rate him as one of you know one of the top players, and he's he's very well practiced behind the scenes. He doesn't give a lot away. He's quite secretive with what he's going to take and what he's going to use and what his list is going to be beforehand, uh, for good reason. 
So that's why he's up there as my joint favourite. Joint favourite, and he has quite an oddball list, as you say. He's got those two Dreadnoughts, but he's also got three squads of Devastators and only one Drop Pod. He's got a Gladiator Reaper in there, um, which I believe is the open-top transport, isn't it, that the Primaris Marines go in? That's very rare you see one of them, so I'm not sure anyone knows what the model is. Um, and then we've got you know the standard support characters. But very much a different list to what we're used to seeing. A couple of last speeders in there for obvious secondary choices as well. Next up, we have our joint favorite, which is Malik. So Malik is back. Malik was meant to come to Manchester. Unfortunately, couldn't get uh, his army together in time. Had to bail last minute. But he's showing a concerted effort to be back at the top of the field. And as you mentioned earlier, you've been practicing fairly hot at the Dice Down HQ. So going through Malik's list quickly, it looks like a fairly standard Dark Angel list with a couple of exceptions. He has a captain on a bike with a combi melter and a lightning claw. First time we've seen one of those in this Dark Angel season. Uh, he's got Ezekiel in there, who, as we all know, has uh, some great utility in these Dark Angel mirror matches. The Terminators and the support characters you'd expect to see. And then two Whirlwind Scorpiuses and three squads of Desolation Marines. He has gone full bore with the outline site shooting. And uh, somebody who... Uh, May want like the look of those tanks. It will be uh, VJ's uh, charging Harlequin bikes. You know, a little bit of tagging here, a little bit of tagging there, and there's something. These are not uh, not amazing units. But why have you given him such good odds over some of the other players that we've gone through today, George? Well, we all know that um, in the past, Malik's obviously been one of one of one of the best players in the country. You know, for multiple tournaments, and he sort of fell off the he fell off the scene in the last couple of years because of whatever reasons. And he's been playing Genes to the Colt. He's attended a couple of things, but he's not been serious with them. He's not practiced seriously with them. And even though this is his first tournament with Dark Angels, he has been he has been studying. He has been studying a lot. He's been practicing the matchups. He's been, you know, in his head, he's been thinking, and he's he's very much interested. And when Malik's interested, he's as dangerous as any player that I've ever played. Like, you know, the, the way to beat him is to make him uninterested. Because <laughs> once he is focused and he's interested, he, he's uh, very difficult to beat. Indeed, and he obviously has a very strong record against some of the other players we've gone through today. Very much leaning in to that out of line of sight shooting meta, which is what we're seeing in this edition or this uh, season arc into. And uh, we've covered that a few times, not just with the Dark Angel and Desolation meta coverage that we did for Manchester, but also today with David Gaylar's adaptions, Vic's adaptions, these people that are going more and more into countering out line of sight shooting with more out of line of sight shooting. Uh, it's almost like a little prisoner's, prisoner's dilemma for anyone that's familiar with um, game theory. But uh, one thing that is interesting is that the best odds you're given anyone is 2 to 1. Now, 2 to 1 out normally is not very good odds, George. Normally, like one to two or something, that would indicate such a clear favourite. It's such a tough field. It's so hard to put a clear favourite down. Like, I mean, it's so much harder than normal when I've done these odds. Like, honestly, all the way up to all the way up to David Gaylard at six to one, all are all very strong players that could win it. You know, so I think betting on Malik and Alex at two to one is actually there's not a lot of value there where you could go further up the field. And these players have got just as much chance. It was really hard for me to actually pick a favourite. 
Which yeah, people so, aren't familiar with betting, George. Define what you mean by value when you're talking about it in the betting betting context. So, so what? So what? Some people do. They they look they look at a field. They look at all the prices and they think, where is the value? Now, if you've got a favourite like I don't know, like Manny at even money, there's no value in that because what you, what that means is you're putting fifty pound down, and if he wins it, you're only winning fifty pounds. And you might actually think that someone like I don't know, uh, Vic has has the same chance as Manny, but Vic is four to one. So that's value because you're getting much more money if he does win it. And you believe that he has a similar chance as the favourite because not so everyone it, agrees with the bookies. They, yeah, they've got their own opinion on who they think going to win. So what they do is they look and see, right, where's, where's the mistake from George here? Where's the mistake from the prices? Where can I find the value in one of these, these prices? Okay, and speaking of value, some of us are more valuable than others, and we will get on to our recap of last bets on. Now, in the first bets on episode, we did you and I both had a hundred pounds to bet. We both lost it, and we had to go straight back to the money lenders and borrow another hundred pounds for week two. So we were both in the whole hundred quid going into week two. In uh, the next episode of bets on, I believe you have come into plus money with a £50 bet on Manichima, which returned you £125, putting you on plus 25. So you've got £25 in the kitty now, George. I, on the other hand, um, lost £50 on Mike Porter, uh, lost £25 on Vic VJ, but made £25 on Alex Harrison coming in second place from Manchester. So uh, thanks to everyone who has put me now a further, further... <laughs> Uh, 75 pounds in the hole. I'm currently on a minus 175. George, you are on a plus 25. No, minus 200. I've 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 had 200, haven't I? So I lost the first 100. Oh, correct. You're minus yeah, 75. Yeah, so minus 75 now. Okay. Yeah, so we're right. both still in the hole, paying a bit of vig to our money lender. And, and how uh, good was my betting last time? Let me just uh, note because I had actually had 50 on Manny and I had 50, on Alex Harrison, which was actually the final two. So, oh, well, it was almost very good. good I would have made more money if Harrison won that final match, that's for sure. So, yeah. But um, I still got something back with uh, okay. Manny winning it. Well, in an effort to get us both out of the hole, our moneylender has given us a Easter egg with an extra 100 quid in. So this week we have 200 pounds to bet each, and I will let you pick wow. your bets first. How are you spending your 200 pounds? 200 pounds, okay. So like, like I said, I'm going to look for some value here um, with some big prices. So. I am gonna do. I'm gonna do fifty pounds on Daniel Whitaker because that's what I always thought that he disguised. You know, he's destined for greatness, and he's gonna he's gonna surprise a few people, in my opinion. And uh, on eight to one, that returns four hundred. That, that's what I'm talking about. Value. That's exactly what I mean by value. His price is is larger than it should be for his ability. So I'm gonna put a fifty on him, and in another value bet, I'm gonna put a fifty on David Gaylord. Because because of his price, because of his six to one, because of his record, I think he's a value at six to one. Personally, um, I might have uh, made his odds a bit too high there, to be honest. So I'm going to put fifty there, fifty there, and then I've got a hundred left. Is that right? That is correct. And in the hundred left, I will put all of it on Malik, my favorite. Malik at two to one. All right. Well, that is a exciting field. Of course, only one of those gentlemen can win. So regardless of what happens, you are capping yourself there at uh, the only way to win being one of those. I, as in the last few episodes, I'm kind of mixing up a bit, trying to toe the line of, of getting everything right and not losing any, any money in the process. 
So I'm going to try and get out of my 175 pound hole as a minimum. And I'm going to look for a value bet to try and do that. So to get uh, 175 pounds, let's call it 200 out of a bet on David Gaylord, who I think is the best value there. I need to bet around, is that 30 pounds? Is that correct? 35 pounds returns about 210? 210 with your 30 back, correct. All right. So I've got 35 on David Gaylord to win. 35 on Gabe Gaylord. I'm going to make a notice. <laughs> yeah, we've got to write this. Go, 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 go. As the bookie, I need to know what you're betting Prepare on. our bookie slips, <laughs> our official, official UKTC bookie slips coming to a merch stand near you. And then I'm going to go and try and just like maximize my money with the next two bets. So I've got 165 left. To keep my maths nice and simple, I'm going to put 65 and I'm going to put it on. tough one isn't it <laughs> i'm gonna put it on money chima no i'm gonna put 100 on money chima 100 on money the highest london curse i bet you check his tires before he leaves in the morning That's yeah just cool. just put a couple of nails <laughs> under there but the reason i'm putting the money my big bet onto manny is because he has the most reliable performance of scoring close to 500 in his first five games and that means I don't necessarily think he's got the most reliable chance of winning, but I think he's got the most reliable chance of getting to the top two. And then I am going to pick somebody else who, um, if he may make it into the top two, has a reliable chance 65, of beating. You've got 65 left, right? So. Yeah, 65 left. And then I'm looking at this lineup and I'm thinking, who has the most reliable chance of beating Manny? if they happen to both get to the finals. And that, I've lost money on him, I think, every week so far, but I'm going to put some more on him. I'm going to put 65 on Vic VJ. Okay, interesting. Very good. All right. So, let's see uh, who's going uh, going off to Silicon Valley Bank and trying to make a withdrawal, and who is going straight to the moon in our next episode of Bets On. We will do a catch-up about where we stand with our bookies bets and uh, thank you all so much for listening this london open as i mentioned has been much bigger than the previous ones they normally hover around 100 players but the uptake in this year's attendance has been so strong that we're going to do another london open it's the first announcement we're going to make about it but it's going to be in july this is currently a month where we don't have one of our super majors so in july you can expect to see a event of around about 150 to 220 player capacity in west london and we hope you can come we'll be launching tickets to that very soon so check out warhammertournaments.com for those and make sure you follow us on facebook that's where we tend to announce tickets first and make sure you sign up to our newsletter because that is where we do our email shout outs the second tickets do go on sale of course london is not just home to the london open we also have the lgt at the end of september we are above 600 attendees for that now so make sure you get your tickets we are going to be capping attendance at a thousand this is going to enable us to make sure that we have all the terrain done months in advance and uh, normally events like this like lvo leave attendance uncapped and that's why you end up playing on games workshop terrain if you end up at the bottom of the field we obviously don't do that at the lgt so we want to make sure everyone has the same experience regardless of whether you're placing one thousandths or placing first and to do that we have to cap attendance early so attendance will be capped at 1000 we are almost two-thirds of the way there and we have about five months to go so make sure you get your tickets soonish they are available from lgtpresents.co.uk george thanks very much for coming back on the show best of luck yourself and before we let you go tell us this 
what odds do you give yourself to win this weekend? <laughs> well, at the moment, if I'm being totally honest, my army's in Hertfordshire, so I'm not even sure I can... Uh, I'm definitely going to come on a Saturday just to say hello to everyone. Obviously, I'm local in London, but there's a, there's an outside chance that I might not might not even be able to play because um, I'm so busy at work this week. I'm not sure I can get to Hertfordshire to get my bloody army because I played up there and left it up there. Like, mm. like a, well, so, best of luck with that, and I'm sure we'll catch up with you. I would be, uh, I'd probably be in a, I'm actually the only Imperial Knight player that's attending. You are. There's, there's, there's <laughs> one Imperial Knight. 20 to 1, because I put it down 20 to 1 for any other player, but really, uh, my chances are pretty slim into all these Terminators and that with my Knights. I'll probably be a 66 to 1 shot. Yeah. All right. Well, best of luck, George. Hopefully you can turn up, and thanks very much for coming on the show. You're very welcome. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to What's Happening in 40K. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We'd also really appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and recommending us to all your gaming buddies. And, of course, don't forget to subscribe for more great content from What's Happening in 40K. We'll be back next time with even more news, updates, and opinions from the world of Warhammer 40,000. Until next time, thanks for listening.